So usually how I like to, to start these conversations is about an individual's journey. And, uh, you know, yours has been been long and, and impressive because looking at, at sort of your career path, it was it was interesting because you got a psychology degree from Stanford, but yes, your career really took a media and business type path, right? Which was which is kind of interesting. So I kind of wanted to start there and see, yeah. I, I guess what was like right after college, you have a psychology degree. Did you want to go into psychology yeah, or so was your intention not that? at all. So no, it was really interesting. I actually, I ended up doing the psychology degree as a backup because I uh, went to Italy, studied in Florence when I was a sophomore. So that was a little bit early. And when I came back, my intent had always been to be an international relations Mm -hmm. and business major. But at Stanford in those days, one, they didn't have a business major. It was more of an industrial engineer, which was Mm -hmm. akin to consulting. At that point, I wasn't sure I need I wanted to go necessarily down that route, but the international relations, I've always loved different cultures and Mm -hmm. I've loved communication between them. And I've always uh, had a real passion for business. So uh, I got back and they had changed the requirements, which meant that I was going to have to go a fifth year. My parents had me as a surprise. My mom had me when she was 41. So I couldn't put them through. And we all went to Stanford. I couldn't put them through a fourth, you know, a fourth Stanford education and add a year. Right. So I thought, great, I'll do psychology. And guess what? Um, I'm good at it. It'll come in really handy wherever I go. I'm right. just going to, I'm going to float with it. And so uh, media, I love bringing people's stories to life. I love what it can do in terms of helping, really helping bringing, bringing people to life and using as an amplifier. And I seem to be able to be something of a translator and people have always been comfortable talking to me. Nice. So um I kind of jumped in and I thought, well, gosh, if I want to get into business and I know that business can be a force for good, which is something I believed in way back then, it helps me understand how people run their business and Mm -hmm. what money does and how it's used now. And so from there, you know, I jumped in on the agency side and my entire career is a story of what I shouldn't really exist because if I listen (laughs) to everybody on the planet, you can't do that. Nobody does that. That just added fuel to my fire. It's like, oh yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I've always been a little bit sassy. Love it. And uh, so I went ahead and I did everything they told me that I couldn't be. And so next time I, next thing I knew, I was running a local office uh, for the then in-flight magazines, which then mm-hmm. led to some great big sales that people weren't expecting. And then Inc. took me in and I got to work directly with the founder, Bernie Goldhirsch. And then that attracted to Business Week. Then I fell in love with Fast Company. Mm -hmm. Uh, And it was there that my then editor-in-chief and now husband and (laughs) I, (laughs) something that never would have happened to Business Week because Church State, we ended up uh, spending a lot of time together and just really creating some really cool assets that still to this day exist. That would be their innovation issue, the design issue, and really... 2004, we created this social capital. Um, it was this uh, social capitalist awards along Amazing. with yeah. a couple of other great, great people, um, Keith Hammonds and Cheryl Dolly. And it was just such a fun team. And I thought, oh my gosh, how could this not be going on? Why? I mean, this is such a kind of duh. Why right. are we not doing right. this this way? Right. And so I then spent the, the next 10 years trying to figure out, okay, what does philanthropy say about this? Mm-hmm. What does, you know, for profit, what, what do big companies say about this? Um, who are the audiences that are going to be really crucial driving this uh, to the forefront? And then as luck has it, 
<laughs> everything kind of came together and coalesced when I got a fateful call from Megan French Dunbar, uh, who was the creator, as you know, of Conscious Company. Mm-hmm. I had uh, been an early day advisor for her because I was so excited to see her and Marin and Kate Herman start this magazine that was clearly based off and taking the baton from Fast yeah. Company. And I wanted to support young women getting their voices out there. And um, she said, guess what? This opportunity of being president at Intentional is exists. And I said, that is my job. She said, I agree. And here we are today. <laughs> so yeah. I, I guess it, it's really great because you've seen kind of like the, the evolution of exactly whether whether we call it impact investing, whether we call it social entrepreneurship, or we call it corporate social responsibility, right? There's all these sort of terms that are right. kind of like blending together a little bit now. We see, yeah. you know, Fortune 500 companies, everybody has a sustainability officer or should at least. And a lot of people have ESG metrics and, and all these different things. And, and really, I think, you know, founders have really led the way in creating creating really interesting companies and, and kind of really proving that consumers, right, will, will go out of their way to, to, in fact, spend more money with companies that, that they actually believe in and, and with products that they actually believe in. But what, what I've become very fascinated with, because I think it's sort of this, this last great step towards you know, really changing the dynamic of what capitalism looks like, what business looks like, and that's the allocation of yes. capital, right? And, and where that goes, who that goes to, to me is in a transformation unlike any other time, which is really, really fascinating to, to look at. So I just kind of want to get your thoughts on, you know, a, what a decade ago looked like maybe to, to where to where it's at now. Yeah, it's it, and what a journey it has been. Yeah. And- I will say as devastating as COVID-19 is, I'm I'm grateful to it in the, in the sense that it has forced us all to take a look at exactly the question you're posing and looking at all of our systems. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I frankly cringe whenever I hear people say, well, when we get back to normal, because Grant, let's face right. it, it's not happening. normal was never, ever great for everybody. No, in fact, no. there was the majority of the population, pretty much, there's no other word, they got pretty screwed (laughs) and not to be um, crass, but it, it's really true. They were, it wasn't treated well. And I think, you know, back and uh, it goes back to tides. So that was uh, 2010 and 2011. And we were just, I was working with Melissa Bradley and we were just starting this whole notion of, you know, donor advised funds and how they be put to good use. And then social impact bonds were just getting started. Mm -hmm. And in fact, SOCAP, little did I know foreshadowing (laughs) was just getting started. And it was really an early mover advantage for uh, the the majority of folks happened to be a lot of middle-aged white men, because at that time there were, that's where the majority of the cash was. And so grateful to them for getting it started and rabble rousing and figuring out, okay, what, what can we do now? Fast forward, there's been huge, not as big as they need to be, but it feels Mm -hmm. huge inroads into getting more people involved. And, um, you know, I was, we've been fortunate to be able to do a program with Sarani Cohen, um, who's just recently written a book, uh, Impact and How Reshaping Capitalism for an Impact Revolution. Mm-hmm. And, he, and he speaks to this. And a lot of it has to do with, over time, more and more people realizing, well, gosh, we're just giving the money to the, to the converted, to the mm. people that already can easily get the money. Right. We're not really you know, getting it to the folks that don't get money. But I also want to expand beyond that. So often we all think of capital in the terms of financial capital. Yes, that's important. Mm -hmm. But ways that all of us can get involved is through the other four forms of capital, be it reputational, social, Mm. uh, intellectual, 
mm-hmm. and also political. We, we all have access to all five, but to a different degree. And that's where the need for this, this collaboration comes in. So that's when, you know, impact investing and that whole t- uh, term was coined in a, in a historic meeting in 2007, when there were some European banks and some impact, some investors, and then some philanthropists and some mm-hmm. high net worth individuals. And they all said, hey, look, there's these huge egregious social social challenges. Philanthropy alone can't do it. They they don't have money. They can't do it at scale. So that's why we all need to start partnering. And I think now are starting to see everybody wants data. You know, everyone believes, (laughs) but they believe it even more when there's a number attached (laughs) to it, right? Because it wants. And I get that. And so now I think we've got pretty close to 10 years under our belt or a little bit more than that now, 13 really. And with that being the case, I think people are getting more and more comfortable at thinking about and realizing that there isn't, you know, there doesn't have to be a a loss necessarily. It's, Mm -hmm, and that mm -hmm, slow and patient capital in the long run, it represents that little tortoise from the story that we all grew up with. (laughs) Because think about it, it just makes sense. If you take care of the planet, you're ultimately taking care of your customers. Yep. Which then it becomes this whole regenerative uh, cycle. So I'm excited to see now some new some new vehicles. These community development notes where you know mm-hmm. folks can get involved at ten dollars and yeah. twenty dollars. I'm really very excited to see large buckets of you know assets under management, uh, such as those posed with um, say pensions and four hundred one ks and endowments, starting to say, hey, wait a second, we've we've really got to get to work, and how could we further drive change? And I'm gonna say I really credit a lot of the millennials and Gen Z and Gen Y because, mm-hmm. as you mentioned, they're really challenging all of us to vote by you know with our feet where we work mm-hmm. with our hands and but with our wallets what we purchase and consume and with our um, with our hearts what we are financially investing in it's a uh, yeah it's a monumental task i think but i think if yeah. we could shift you know both from a consumer side right if we could shift 10% of consumerism to much yeah. more of buying it a little bit more sustainably and ethically that's a yeah. Tremendous shift, right? And same with capital. If you can allocate five percent of, exactly. of traditional capital just to to you know sustainable approaches, right? And sort of just different, more innovative approaches, that shift is massive in sort of the the return on impact it could have, but also return on revenue, right? That's right. what the data will prove out is that actually like taking care of the world and taking care of our environment is actually profitable. I think it could be right. more profitable than destroying right. it. Exactly. And that's the thing that I always mm. laugh about and shake my head. It's like, how how do we not see this? But to this end, you know, now we get into the world of greenwashing, mm. yeah, for blackwashing, sure. mm-hmm. whitewashing. Mm-hmm. We're doing a lot of washing. A lot of washing. Right? A lot, lot of washing, but nothing gets clean. Nothing's but- getting clean. <laughs> exactly. That old ring around the collar. And so with that, I get I get a little torn because sure. You know, so we take a look and and we know that this is the year, 50th anniversary, Milton Freeman, shareholder primacy. We all know, whoopsie, you know, <laughs> uh, uh, what was we, what was I thinking? And so now, you know, last year I applaud the business roundtable. Fantastic way to go. Definitely sign that letter. But then I think now what's different, and this is what's heartening is people are paying attention and saying, okay, so what have you actually done and what are you planning to do? And then we need to make sure that we keep everybody accountable. And then when they are doing something 
and it's a step. And if it's a bit of a mistake, if they own up to it, not everyone's going to agree. And I get this, but you know, you get more bees with honey. So I, I don't want to shame and blame, mm-hmm. but I, I would love to, to make it a safe place for people to share. Wow. Here's what we thought we were going to have and increase mm-hmm. the transparency and measurement. Mm-hmm. Here's what we we're aiming for. This is where we got. There's obviously a Delta. Here's what we think. What do you all think? And so if we could get more conversations going around, you know, this is why I think Sarani's work around impact weighted accounts, right? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, Where you're, you're demonstrating both profit and also impact um, to the planet and to people based on how your company is run is again, it, it's a no brainer. And I, I, you know, my hope is that in the not, well, not too distant future, say, I'd love to say 10, I don't think it'll, I think it'll take longer, but in the next 10, decade or two decades that, you know, impact investing becomes synonymous. Of course, it's an impact investment. You wouldn't imagine having a portfolio that was anything else than, you know, purpose-driven aspects to it. And same thing with social entrepreneurs. They would all be entrepreneurs. Entrepreneur is synonymous. Of course, every company and even corporates, they're all going to be Mm purpose-driven. I know it's going to take a while and that sounds very Pollyanna, but I do think that if we also hold ourselves accountable in keeping everybody accountable by providing some, you know, feedback in a way from my psychology major, (laughs) uh, we'll, we'll get to see some, some greater results. I want to talk a little bit about kind of where we are now with with sort of SOCAP and for those who, who don't know, do you kind of want to explain what, what SOCAP sure. is and what it is going to be, right? Because you're going through a bit of a renaissance and kind yes. of transforming into this sort of global, you know, one sort of global entity um, and taking all the, you know, the breadcrumbs you have everywhere over the, the impact sector and kind of putting them under one roof. So one, maybe explain what SOCAP has traditionally been and then what it's going to be sort of transformed into. So SOCAP was born in 2008, actually in response to the recession. Right. Yeah. So things like a pandemic, we've got experience with this, never comfortable, but, and it was really created to get all these early day impact investors along with the entrepreneurs who were doing the work and an effort to try and get everyone gathered under this, what we call the big tent. Uh, mm-hmm. When we did get to meet in person, it was actually in, in yeah. San Francisco. And the mission really is to unlock capital in its every form to uh, move markets forward and to make sure that those who are doing the work get the tools, they get the connections, and they get the broad-based community that will enable them to not only just, you know, survive, but to really thrive so that we can all work together and, and work on solving some of the world's largest challenges. So historically, we had been a large event. Right. Um, 3,500 folks. Uh, we had a, a probably the probably the biggest impact investing sort of conference. Yeah, gathering. The, it yeah, is. I mean, yeah, it is. Yeah. I always get hesitant to say that because I think some yeah. have also begun to do virtual. Either, but sure. yeah, historically the in person. Yes, we were. So what we realized, we and uh, intentional media bought SoCap. Their SoCap, uh, the owner, the owners and founders were looking for a buyer. And so we were fortunate enough to be able to buy it, which was great. But we quickly realized, oh my goodness. So this is one group, the converted, and that's a fantastic, really important group. We need to get access to those who are curious and even those who are somewhat agnostic. Sure. To that end, we we created a new effort uh, to, uh, to talk to that audience of sort of corporate and traditional capital allocators. That's our total impact. Impact brand. And that's a lot of, you know, how to and best of and reaching 
primarily more asset managers and large right. banks and Goldman Sachs. And then we recognized, okay, well, that's great. We've got to make sure we've got the right companies and right. our companies. So that's when we bought Conscious Company, uh, which w- <clears throat> at the time, sort of more uh, social entrepreneurs, sort of SM, you know, smaller, mid-sized yep. groups, yep. and those who fuel purpose-driven leaders. So we had all of this and it's very confusing to talk about. So what we are, (laughs) right, it's just a lot. So what we're in the process of doing, and it's really exciting, and it had been on our plan um, that I had presented to the team in December of last year, COVID-19 put a screeching halt on, well, now we can't do in-person events. What do we do? So each of those brands that I mentioned also had in-person events. The conscious company had a you know, and they both had great web, uh, great podcasts. So they were hungry uh, for a really robust digital virtual platform, if you will, where we could actually do um, online what we had been doing offline. Yep. And so, because two of the key beliefs that we have is the wisdom of the crowd, and then also the serendipitous uh, nature of connection with those you don't know. So we um, have now looked at moving and shifting from this notion of being a house of brands Mm -hmm. to what we're calling a branded house. So Mm, from this point on, we'll be doing SoCap Global and everything will be falling under SoCap Global and we'll have SoCap Live and those will be our events and we'll have SoCap Digital and that'll be all the podcasts and the webinars, et cetera. Still going to specific audiences, but that's where they'll be found. And then looking to build out SoCap Awards because we have some already that are in existence through our Spectrum and World Changing Women and Total Impact Portfolio Challenge brands. And then we've got a few other things that we're looking at and sort of testing how else what else what else would serve the community and looking at post this socap you know how we can help fuel folks and make sure that they've got everything that they need to to really drive forward so with socap virtual we made the decision in march which was early but it was i just felt that it was an obvious thing for us to do. Yeah. Yeah. And it enables us really to achieve two goals. Um, One, our true North is to make sure that more people, which we started at the beginning of this conversation, how do we get more people access to what they need Um, what better way than, you know, to a degree virtual. And then it's a global conversation. Mm-hmm. So making sure that we've got voices from in person, the in-person event, we had representation of anywhere between 72 to 100 different countries, Wow, which is fantastic. Mm-hmm. Uh, but, you know, it was one or two. Well, now we can have right. in the event, we're able to work with uh, ecosystem partners, something we're testing this year. Uh, we can possibly have viewing parties around the world. And we can create a SOCAP global roadshow that is essentially a little, you know, this is something we're looking at, three to four hour little best of that we can go <laughs> and populate so that around the world, some of these help some of these other conveners um, have additional content that they may be lacking. Amazing. I think that, you know, out of all this, I, I think, look, I mean, the transformation of digital was happening anyway, right? But yep. I also think it's, it's actually really difficult to build an on the ground uh, sort of successful uh, event, right? Or, or, or brand, right? On the ground. That's still very difficult to do, right? And so to have that already in your bag, right? Kind of already had success there. Um, yep. I, I think it, it only it only ensures that the digital side will not, it's not going to be easier, right? But I think having that on ground prove it out already is going to make the digital transformation easier than it would be for 
you know, a company that, that maybe didn't have that on the ground event sort of experience and have that, that name sort of be already synonymous and have that brand awareness. Now, when you bring that, you know, online, I think it only, it only sets gas to, to the fire a little bit, right? And I think the potential is, is just much greater now, like you said. Well, thank you. And it's, it's also given us an opportunity to really step back and take a look at how can we reimagine this space? Mm-hmm. You know, we were the early movers and pioneers back in 2008. So fast forward, what does it need to look like now, right? I think that's something that each of our systems that we have in this world, be it education, healthcare, mm-hmm. capitalism, business, finance, they're all being challenged because we are still doing it the way we did it 100, 200, right, large, right. right? So if we're about impact, we've got to stay dynamic to a degree, right? There's going to be a core, but what could we now know because we know that the time calls for us to practice what I call situational humility. And that means we are facing huge scarcities of water, of Mm -hmm. food. Mm -hmm. The climate is off the charts, extraordinarily extractive situations, much too large for any one person, company, or even sector to handle on its own. So we need to really start reaching out gladly and saying, hey, I can do this part. What part can you do? And you know, this was early day. They started at early day, you know, with private public partnerships. Yeah, sure. But we really need to do that on steroids. And I think everyone is kind of, I think everyone in the space is starting to see that. So that's why we're so great, uh, excited to be able to reach out to partners like Tonic like GSG, mm-hmm. like uh, Net Impact, yeah. uh, and say to them, you're Bawena Center for the Arts, because arts and culture, oh, extraordinarily important for us in the in the years to come. Come leverage our platform, bring your group, and let's build a bigger tent together, and therefore <laughs> then drive greater change. I wanted to touch on SoCrab Global, right, and, and the global part of it. And you know, what are you, what are you optimistic about it? Or I guess what sort of do you see globally or may, maybe stuff that you can point out, right? That makes you excited, right? That whether it's a country, whether it's, you know, a group, you know, whether it's a, it's an entire continent or, or an organization or, or a government, do you see globally much more of a response to this vision of, of sort of a better sort of capitalism, then then you, is it tougher to speak about that in America than it would be globally? Do, do you see that there's much more of a... Yeah, it's interesting. I'm going to speak to this uh, in a subsequent conversation later this week as well. You know, so I, you mentioned that you you may be moving to Amsterdam mm-hmm. and so we're, I've become, you know, quite close with the friends at, uh, friends at Catapult and they have an event that's, you know, as they say, SoCap meets Burning Man. So, which is it is a perfect explanation of it and so you know they were talking to me about how because racial equity is really important to us and we're really we've done quite a bit of work on this uh externally this year uh we are definitely taking our own doing great reflection on what we as a company are doing and what are we making sure that we're walking our talk so to this end they were talking about how their discussion around racial equity is very different right Mm, because everybody's very homogeneous up there Um, then we started talking about the difference and how in europe i think you know esgs and everything it's there some places are much farther advanced than we are and what i'm heartened to see is that people are are excited to hear more about what other countries are doing and what they can learn from it i'm i'm also heartened to see things such as you know government shifting how it's getting involved 
and right. uh, and opening its arms. I have always felt that you know one of the most powerful combinations would be. I think there's an extraordinary amount of in- innovation in in the African continent. Yeah. I mean, you think about with such such little resource. Can you imagine what would happen if you if you got the African continent to work with the resources in Latin America? Yeah. I mean, I, I, it would be phenomenal. And I believe now people are starting to look at that and they're starting to see, wait, okay, we could actually do that. And I think that's what heartens me is people are starting to take a take a step back and say, huh. You know, what's what's an unlikely bedfellow with whom I could partner and I'm going to reach out and see how I can on a, on a local, you know, more personal level. We at SOCAP, we've got the convening space. I want to salute the folks at Social Enterprise World Forum. Jerry, their faithful leader, um, he <laughs> is going to be they just had a huge event um, virtually and they're going to be doing a massive debrief which is something we're going to be doing so that, you know, the conveners are all starting to work together and figure out how can we share our learning so that we, who knows, potentially one day we may even build our own, you know, convening platform for conveners built together with conveners. Uh, and it becomes a, you know, sort of a virtual meeting place for all. So I'm, I'm heartened by the opening that I'm seeing and also this, this growing willingness to try yeah, it's uh, it's funny you mentioned Africa. I, I uh, we just had a had a story on Cosars this week that my uh, my uh, founder friend in Uganda started a uh, basically an a, a technology sort of uh, accelerator and and sort of agency in the slums of Uganda. Wow! And, and he and he sort of is really taking the mantle, and he wrote a piece called "The New Africa." And within it, you know, he said he says that I just want to kind of quote from it because I think the numbers are sure. kind of astounding. It goes to like what you said: Africa is the youngest and fastest growing continent in the world. By 2035, the number of young people reaching working age in Africa will exceed that of the rest of the world, and will continue to do so every year for the next century. By 2050, one in every four humans will be an African and 40% of the world's population will be African. And he said by 2030, there will be 375 million young people in the job market in Africa. And so I, I think you're right in that, you know, for so long, you know, that continent has, and I think this is to me where technology is, we can see the, like, I think here we see a lot of negative aspects of technology, right? We see that sort yeah. of with, you know, with all the Senate, the Senate hearings and a lot of negativity to, to right. back, right? But he is literally like building and changing lives through technology, taking kids, taking adults out the slums and teaching them how to use WordPress, right? How to use all these technology tools because then he can go out and get clients from around the world and say, hey, we have top tech talent here in Africa, right? right? It's just an amazing, uh, I, I think, trajectory that, that he's on, but also his vision, I think, about what Africa can be is very special. And, and I agree with him. And, and like by the statistics, like why wouldn't capital allocators look at that? Look at those data points. They want data. Well, here it is. Exactly. Right? <laughs> well, and that's you just bring up a really good point is is looking at the impact that is made by that money, not just that money was given, right? It's like, what is that money doing? What is What change is it driving? What's, what outcome is it driving? So it's more entrepreneur, more people being educated, um, lowering the, you know, the dropout rate and, and so on. And I think when we focus on that, I think there's hum, huge opportunity. I, I had the chance to um, spend some time with the folks who created a, an entity called Beads for Life, which was 
I, I have a lot of this in my background with working with, um, you know, helping and empowering women become um, self, self-sufficient. And they then have shifted now into a business school as sorts hmm. um, for <clears throat> women in Africa. And they want to bring this out over to India and all other areas as well. And of course, we know that all the research that shows when you help a woman, you help a community. Yeah. And <clears throat> I think that again, that kind of thinking and those kinds of areas, I, I'm very excited to see them rise and and frankly get the get the credit for the innovation and the extraordinary talent they've always had. They just never had the chance to really step up and come, you know, have a seat at the table, as it were. Yeah, I think it's and I kind of went on wanted to touch on touch on that a little bit is sort of women, you know, sort of in 2020 and, and sort of because it seems like throughout your career, you've sort of, you know, been sort of this voice for women and a lot of the stuff you do through through certain committees you've been on and, and certain organizations and, and, and things like that. And what has been, you know, sort of the the progression and, and are you optimistic of, you know, the future of women and, and not only, you know, business, but really world leaders, right? And, and sort yes. of, I always say that. <laughs> Us men, we, we kind of had, we had some centuries here to try to figure it out and, and maybe we, we need to pass the baton a little bit uh, and let the women have a little run. Huh? Or, or even share. That yeah. would be awesome. Just, yeah. just hold it together. But it, um, yeah, go ahead. You were going to say No, something. no, I, you know, I, I just wanted to, to get your thoughts on, on sort of the, what you saw maybe over the last two decades of sort of, sort of, yeah. you know, women just sort of just rising and, and like you said, giving that opportunity. It's, it's, I mean, I, I was, I was telling you, I was, I was raised by very strong women. My, my wife's a very strong woman. Like I have seen what women can be and what, what they can do. And it, it, it's made me a better human. Right. And I was just like, if we can yeah. scale a women's touch, right. Uh, it, it's very positive. I think. Well, we always joke. There's a reason why we have the babies. I'm just yeah, saying. Yeah, for sure. But, and so with, so to answer your question, I'm, I am an optimist by, by nature, but I, I actually, I really am optimistic that more and more women are getting comfortable in their own skin and utilizing their voices. I think COVID-19, the fabulous Forbes article that pointed out that those, the countries that were, you know, doing the best were all run by hmm. women. Right. And I think there is something from the, you know, just the community, the community aspect and the community building. Uh, and there's just certain, you know, key attributes that are just, I think we're just, we are wired differently, but that's why we alone can't do it. And if we think we can, that then we're just doing what men yeah, did course, all the time. Of course, so we, you yeah, know, yeah, you know what I mean? Course, so that's yeah. why we got to be striking. But the other thing, quite honestly, is we women have got to, got to, got to start supporting one another mm. so that when we see a fellow woman, a sister woman, <laughs> get a point, a position of power or make a good point in a meeting or get a promotion, mm -hmm. support that. Mm -hmm. Don't get jealous. Mm. I mean, it's, I think, and this, I think there's certain generations that are more prone to this than others. And I'm, I'm thankful that the younger generation is, is not quite, has not the quills in their arrow pack that, that mine did. Um, so I'm excited to see more women coming into power and that being and that being accepted. I think as more men start experiencing some of the misogyny and some of the bad behavior, you know, less than favorable behavior sure. through the eyes of their wives, mm -hmm. their daughters, yeah. their nieces, their sisters, they then themselves have an opportunity to, to start to also step up 
Um, I, I built in my past, I built a really cool pro product all about, it was a uh, virtual reality experience that helped uncover unconscious bias. And because what better way to have empathy than, than through VR and re yeah. literally walk a mile in someone's shoes. Right, right. Really, right. It was, it was really powerful. The third thing is, I think as we start to see more and more uh, women get onto boards now, mm -hmm. how do we do that? We expand the the board title search to include two key titles that I believe are going to be really important in the, the next few decades. And one is, you know, the chief people officer and CHRO. So the chief human resources officer, mainly, which is historically a lot of women are there. Right. And then also getting more CMOs. So that's another historically female thing. That's not to say if you've got a CFO, great. I still want to see a lot of girls in STEM. But for those of us who are more liberal, liberal arts oriented, right. I actually think that behavior on that communication and getting multiple generations to be able to work together <laughs> and translate what everybody's saying, there's going to be, as you mentioned earlier, that woman's touch, that's mm -hmm. really going to be important and come into play. So I'm, I'm heartened to see that, you know, there are more and more women um, VCs and in fact, yeah. impact investing groups stepping out saying, okay, well, the heck with it. If I'm still, you know, such a small percentage and I'm not going to get it, I might as well just do it myself. Yeah. And they are, yeah. which is great. So and all raise now just started their their big speakers bureau for women in finance so that you know we can make sure that voices are are being heard. I just think that is all really exciting. And I think it it bears good witness. And we'll see what happens in the election. I, I wanted think, yeah. yeah. Now I was just gonna say, I think having Kamala, even just in the running, I think that's a really terrific opportunity for people to see themselves as, as she, you know, Michelle Obama said, I didn't even know I could be right. the first lady. Well, how cool would it be someday for people to realize, wow, we can be presidents, we can be vice presidents, we can be governors, leaders, prime ministers. I, I'm excited by all of that. I wanted to, I usually like to end a little bit on successes and, and maybe goals and, and sort of like you talked about the North Star for, for a little bit. I, I know that the future is, is a little bit uncertain right now. And, you know, future is always kind of uncertain, but, but now more than ever, a little bit more so. But it, when you sit down with the team and, and just like personally sort of reflect, like what if you're the next three to five years, I guess, what is the vision for, for, for SOCAP? And what are some of the successes, right? And goals that, that you want to achieve, you know, not only as a platform, but as a team, but maybe as an, as an individual as well. So, you know, this year we have about 12 different themes that, again, I mentioned, we believe in the wisdom of the crowd. <clears throat> so we do a listening tour, and then we feather up what we're thinking, and then the community votes, and then we move forward with that. Mm -hmm. And, you know, there's, we've got everything from radical change and future of work to next gen leadership. And then, of course, we've got expected things such as climate action and global health and education, um, resilience and meaning. And of course, where would we be without impact investing, mm -hmm. and racial equity, uh, and the arts, and I think, you know, for us, if we were able to get more voices in each of those areas uh, and each and systems collectively thriving and working together and have this monumental shift where we go, we move from just talking about change to actually doing the change, instituting the change and driving that systemic shift. You know, they say being an influencer it's sure it's making people, you know, think differently, but true success is when you have people act differently. Mm. So if we were able to play a role in helping people be introduced to something in a way that they could in fact 
do differently, act differently. And I'm going to say be different, then I think that would be incredibly important. Um, and I would look at that as, as true success, that it was kind of what I had mentioned earlier, that we shift from just impact investing to, of course, it's investing. Of course, right. the company is purpose-driven, of course. And then I will also say that we're, we become a better conduit to capital in all its various forms, so that once and for all, every face of every color has a seat at the table and has met with the, what they need, when they need it, how they need it, end of story, done. <laughs> right? I mean, come on. And that one's a biggie and yeah. we can't do that alone. And that's why I'm really excited to have such extraordinary partners um, to work with. For me personally, is if we're able to really instill and kind of ignite that passion and, and we've been hit with a lot of waves, Grant, this year. I won't, sure. I won't lie at all you know it, it is it's not been one big we easy we're in For like sure. class four and class five rapids so if we can just keep going through that with in mind what we set out to do which is what i had just said i will right now this year i is probably one of the proudest years i've had oh um just because it's been also one of the hardest years in terms of you know driving this change amidst kind of not really knowing exactly right. you know, how these things are going to turn out and being hit with yet another set of wave after wave after wave. <laughs> so if I'm able to get through this still standing with at least some color, not some hair, not gray, it'll be huge. <laughs> right? that's, a, that's another data point, right? Gray hair. Yes, you can really exactly. look at that. <laughs> Keep an eye on my head. That'll tell you. But also seriously too, Successfully leading over and passing the baton to this next mm, generation yeah. and making sure we get more new voices heard. I think that's my most excited piece. If we can continue to be looking on that horizon and saying, hey, here's a really great soul doing extraordinary work that you might not know about, but man, keep an eye. They're they're doing stuff and, and there might be a way that you can help. I think um, that would be huge success. Well, thank you so much, Kate. This was amazing conversation. I knew it would be, um, <laughs> but best of best of luck with with this year's SoCap virtual. I know it, it's gonna. It took a lot of work, a lot of effort. I'm excited to to attend and, and check it out and, and kind of what the future you know holds for you know SoCap Global because I think it's something that that's sort of needed in the industry is sort of you know this a go to place right for for knowledge seekers within within the sector and like you said, more people who are who are coming from traditional capital, right, or, or traditional mm -hmm. consumerism, get them into the to the flow and kind of find a way to to do things differently within their own life, right? And I think that's uh, platforms are important. You know, it, it really is important it, to me. It's the new it's the new education, right? I, I exactly. think uh, it, it's uh, it's a way that we can all learn throughout our lifetime. So I think platforms are are important. So best of luck in in, in building out the the new the new sort of platform and the brand and can't wait for, for SoClap. And it's going to be, I think it's going to be a success and best of luck to the team and, and yeah. best of luck uh, the rest of the year. I, I do want to say one last thing. The team has been extraordinary. Yeah. Uh, they've weathered a lot. And I just want to, I want to acknowledge all the, the, the immediate team, the expanded team, anyone who's in our orbit. Um, yeah. I just, so I'm so grateful. I'm grateful for you and your partnership mm -hmm. um, and the support. And I just, I want to acknowledge everybody that, you know, we could not build this big tent alone. So, and we know that everybody has uh, an option and a choice to where they can spend their time. And we're just very grateful and appreciative of, of folks spending it with us when they do. Well, thanks again, Kate, and have a, have a great rest of the week and have a great rest of the year. Thanks so much, Grant.